0: Well, good morning everyone. It's my pleasure to be able to be here with you today. Uh, about eight years ago, and I graduated in 2010 from Covenant College. And so eight years ago, I was sitting in your place. Um, and I would have never guessed that I get to do some of the things I've got to do and go to the places I've got to go. Um, it's been a great uh, pleasure for me. And as has already been introduced. I don't want to sit on what I have been doing right now, but just to introduce a little bit of some of the pictures. Um... Because of the sensitiveness of where I'm working, uh, we've done certain precautions for uh, making sure certain details are not shared, um, since this is being broadcast uh, on the internet. Um, But I've been working on what we call, in code, the vanilla islands um, among this Islamic people group. Um, This is the faces of some of the people that I've got to work among. And I can tell you, when I was sitting in your seats, I never would have dreamed that this is where I get to be. Right now, and I love it. Um, and as I think that's probably why I was asked to speak this week during Missions Week, is just because of the things that I've got to do. And it's my pleasure, and my uh, privilege to be able to encourage y'all in the same thing of seeing the possibilities of what you get to do. And so, my goal today is to share some of the key things that I think over the years God has shown me that have really been impactful for me that uh, I hope will be impactful for you as well as you think about missions and your role in missions. Um, for God's Kingdom. Uh, some background, I was also at Covenant College, so uh, <clears throat> this is uh, me with my covenant spirit. <laughs> I'm the one in the middle with the flag. Um, yeah, I'm all about the spirit. It's a great time. I remember being on suburbs. Are there, where's suburbs in here? Yeah, <clears throat> suburbs. Uh, yeah, So, I hear you, a new addition to my life is actually uh, part of the call to missions that I had was being willing to go as a single. Um, There's not many single guys going on the mission field uh, these days, and to go as a single. And that was a certain measure of sacrifice, Um, and then thankfully, and just actually this year, I had the privilege, privilege is my joy, it's the awesomest thing ever, this year. ah, (laughs) that's all you got to see of it. Uh, Come on! (laughs) There we go. Just got married. (laughs) Uh, So, that was my joy. Um, So, uh, it's a wonderful time in life. I wish my wife could have been here. She's from Madagascar. She didn't get a visa to come to the States on this trip. But we're hoping in the future she'll be able to come. So, that's a little bit about myself. Today, I don't want to make it about me. I want to make it about God and His kingdom. Because Jesus Christ... Our God, the one who created us, he sacrificed a lot for us. He sacrificed a lot for us to have the hope of eternity with him. And this week, I think, is a call of saying, what is our role? Now that we have been shown much love, now that we have been shown much uh, mercy uh, and sacrifice and love poured out on us, what is our response to that? Um, And there are some things, so today is the typical passage um, for starting off on thinking about missions. I wanted to look at uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where it says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And today I want to look at, um, I guess, kind of two things. Looking at, uh, really, is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth us centering our whole lives around seeing His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? This is what we pray. This is how Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your Lord Father, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This was the job that Jesus was doing when he was on earth. He was bringing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And when he was going into heaven, he said, the job hasn't been finished. There are many, many people who have yet to have the gospel proclaimed to them. And now the last thing he said as he was going up, he said, remember, I came here to preach the kingdom of heaven. And now as I go, it's your job to finish the task. It's your job to finish the task. And since then, the Christian community... We have been going to finish the task of seeing all peoples know Jesus Christ. Letting all peoples have access to the gospel, access to the Bible, the word of life in their languages. And there are certain statistics that as I was in your seat thinking, and I actually came to Covenant, and I was thinking about wanting to do missions. And it was through Covenant, I was a com dev major, that I started to learn certain things about the world. And these statistics are constantly changing as the world develops, but I wanted to read some certain things that started to really impress me on the situation in the world, which I think it would be a grave tragedy if you finish college without seeing some of these statistics. Um, As you think about, because you're young adults, you're thinking about where are you going to go once you graduate. And I can promise you, (laughs) I didn't realize how much more complicated life would be when I graduated until I did. (laughs) And just every step of life, it becomes more complicated. But Certain things, calm deaf people, this is nothing new. Nearly half of the population, and I, these are just the new statistics I looked up last night, you can look them online. Nearly half of the population of the world lives on less than $2.50 a day. About 1.3 billion live on $1.25 a day. About 80% of the world live on less than $10 a day. This, I don't know about you, but this really tugged on my heart. It was some of the reason why I did the degree I did, is because I wanted to be able to solve, to, to play a role in that. That's a very economic, that's a very world you know, centered at a specific time in our history. But then there are other statistics that started to really also work on my heart. And this, I think, (laughs) we need to know. Joshua Project says that 7,078 people groups in the world are still considered unreached, meaning less than 2% of the population know Jesus. It means, because I live in an unreached people group, I know what it's like. It means that for most people, they have no one they could go to to ask any questions about Jesus. The only thing they might ever hear, depending on how dogmatic the people group are, they might hear their religious teachers saying how it's wrong and saying a lot of false lies about what Christianity is. 7,078 unreached people groups. That's about 3,130,000,000 people living in those areas. We're privileged. We live in America. (laughs) We have a lot... Um, of opportunity to access scripture. Now, other things that I found were with Wycliffe. One thing I'm doing is Bible translation. I didn't realize there are 2,163 languages without scripture. 2,163 languages without scripture. If the population of this school is 1,000 people, y'all couldn't even go out and translate Bible, if you all went as Bible translators to get that done. I'm not saying that we have to solve all the problems, but I'm saying there are huge needs in the world. And when Jesus was going into heaven and he said, go into all nations, proclaiming, there is, there's work still to be done. Um, other things, and I don't want it to be simply just we're focusing on other places, um, even in the U.S. I found with a Pew Forum survey that said that only 47% of Americans identify as a Protestant Christian. And that would mean that one in every two people that we'll meet are not identifying themselves as a Protestant Christian. So there's even work inside of the U.S. Even Joshua Project reports that there's 84 unreached people groups in the U.S. So all of this to say we have a role to go to the nations. And so I want to, there is Charles Spurgeon, I've been told this, I don't know, but I was told that he was asked once if you had an hour to speak with someone about uh, the gospel, an unbeliever. How would you spend that hour? And he said, well, I spend the first 50 minutes getting them lost, and then 10 minutes getting them saved. So today what I want to do is to spend the majority of the time looking at the cost. What does this actually mean? Because I think sometimes we are full of passion when we're young. We, we don't really know what it's going to mean to follow God, to, see, to preach the gospel to all of the nations. And so I want to look at the cost. And then I want to ask the question, is he worth it? Is Jesus worth it? Um, And that would be the getting saved, if you will. Realizing that when we assess the cost, we know that he's worth it. Because Jesus said before, a builder builds a house, you have to count the cost. And then start. Um, And so, today I want to look in this passage at certain parts. Because it says, therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations. uh, Let's see. Teaching them to obey. And so the costs that I want to look at are the sacrifice of going, that we have to abide. There's a time cost. There's an integrity cost, forgiveness. And so I want to look at these in part. First, if we are going to go to the nations, if we are going to play a role in seeing God's kingdom come, there's a cost. There is a sacrifice and I wanted to come up and be like, I know it. I've like felt this sacrifice so much. But then I was sitting thinking, I have nothing to say. Jesus felt it too, a whole lot more than me. He said even foxes don't have a place to, or have a home. But he didn't have a place to lay his head. He died. Have I lost blood for him? Um, so first, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. And then John twelve twenty four. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I know, because I went through this school, and I know that it's very likely that for many of you, you're coming from a more middle-class to upper-class background. I'm positive you're going to leave Covenant College with debt. I did too. But there's a a sense in which the expectations that are put on you of the kind of life and achievements that you need to make in life uh, are real. (laughs) And to choose to go to a place, an unreached people group, and to choose to ask for support, to choose to... um, To choose to live in a mud house, to choose to, uh, at first, to basically become a baby again where you can't speak the language, and you feel like I learned all these skills in college and I paid so much money and people respected me, and now I'm in a place and they're like, where I was, they're telling me, you're sweeping the floor wrong. I'm like, come on. (laughs) I promise you, I have a college education, I know how to sweep the floor. (laughs) But to be willing to say, I'm willing to lay it down, to let, like a colonel, I'm willing to die to self. And what I didn't realize when I was sitting in your place is that it's more than just a passionate one-time choice. It's a lifetime choice. You have to keep dying to self. And one of the things that's really motivated me to do missions as a lifetime calling in my life was actually at the commencement speech graduating in 2010, and Clair Ferguson was giving the commencement speech and he looked out across all of us who were graduating and he said, I see so much passion in your generation. It's awesome. You wanna change the world and that's awesome. You're world changers and you have this passion thinking you can change the world in two years. He said, I wanna tell you, the world doesn't need more world changers. What the world needs most are plotters, People who applaud along doing the right thing each day for Jesus Christ. And he said something that stuck with me and is some of the motivation of why I'm still in Camor- still where I'm working um, is that um, I, he said, you can do far less than you think you can in two years and far more than you think you can in 50. You need to be motivated to realize that it's a long haul, long haul journey if you wanna see the kingdom of God come on earth. Now I don't wanna be just about going. We, you know, we talk about we need to go and there's some of you who are going to go and you are gonna sacrifice. And for you who are gonna go, I just wanna tell you something that I learned when I was working in Texas <laughs> as a Wrangler. And I was told, comparison is the stealer of joy. Comparison is a sealer of joy. When you go, when you make sacrifices, and then you look at your classmates who are living differently (laughs) than you are, who have a bit more freedom and flexibility, it's very tempting to start this comparison game in your mind and to start thinking, oh boy, you know, could I have done? (laughs) Could life be different? And you start to rethink, am I going in the right direction in life? Um, And I want to encourage you that it is worth it other things, there might be some of you who are going to stay here, and it means sacrificing in the sense of giving. It might sacrifice in, in the sense of choosing which neighborhood to live in. It might mean sacrifice in the way you use your time to meet with different people. I know someone who just sold their house and refined to move to a smaller house so that they could give money to the kingdom work, and that's, that's a decision that I think they made out of a passionate you know decision right then but now for the next couple of years they're going to be living as a full family in a much smaller house because of a decision that they made in order to see the kingdom of god go into all nations so if we're going to follow jesus christ if we're going to fulfill the kingdom uh, the great commission we have to count the cost are we willing to sacrifice are we willing to sacrifice second thing is that i find is So this is with the go, he said to go, and I want us to really think of the cost of going. The next thing he said is that we need to teach, to make disciples and to teach them. Now I'm not going to get into the making disciples and teaching. What I want to do is you can't give what you don't have. You can't teach someone what you don't have. You can't tell someone that Jesus is enough in the midst of suffering and sacrifice if you're not finding him to be enough. In the midst of your suffering and your sacrifice. And so, if we want to see God's kingdom come, there's a promise. And this, so th- this, I just want to say, something that radically changed me at Covenant College. If you can look it up, there's a book called the Live Dead uh, Journal. And the Live Dead Challenge. Look it up. Written by Dick Brogdon. It's a month-long uh, uh, devotional. The Live Dead Journal. It is based off of this principle, it, where Jesus says in John 15, 4-5 and 7-8, through 8, He says, "...Remain in Me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in Me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit." We're talking about the kingdom of God coming on earth. "...You will bear much fruit if you remain in Him." Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you set out that you want to accomplish the Great Commission and you are not abiding in Christ, you can do nothing. I owe so much to my pastor when I was, uh, right before I came to college, uh, in my senior year of high school, who challenged me and he said, if you want to pursue ministry as your career, you need to take the advice of uh, Charles Spurgeon, who would read his Bible from cover to cover every year. He said, you have to be in the word. The live dead challenge is to say, just as you tithe your time, you would tithe, sorry, as you tithe your money, you will tithe your time for Jesus Christ. So if you give 10% to the Lord as a tithe of your time, will you give 10% of your time to the Lord? Meaning two hours a day in the word, in prayer. Be attached to the vine." And I'll tell you when I'm living in a little village and no one's speaking my language and I feel super lonely and I'm ready to leave and I don't like the food, I need the vine. I need Jesus Christ. I need those two hours. When you start making sacrificial choices in your life, you must be attached to the vine. And if we are to teach other people, we have to know it ourselves. Not just a head knowledge, but a practical knowledge of seeing that Jesus is sufficient no matter what we live through. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So I would challenge you, look at the Live Dead Journal. In fact, in the Live Dead Journal, one of the things they highlight, different unreached people groups each day. Two of the ethnic people groups that are where, in the country I work in are featured in that book. So that's a little, you know motivation there next and this one i i feel this passionately that i have to warn you on this one because i've seen so many people fall integrity it says that you are to teach them to obey everything that god commanded us how many people have i seen fall out of ministry because of moral lapses how many families have i seen broken because of sexual immorality And so we see in John chapter 13, 34 through 35, it says, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know you are my disciples. You want to make disciples in the world? Everyone has to know that you're a disciple of Christ. They're going to know it when they see it in your life, that you're different. I couldn't tell you how many times the Muslims that I work among have come up to me and said, We don't get why you're not following Muhammad, but we are jealous of your lifestyle.'" We wish we had it. We wish that marriages lasted. We don't have that. We don't know what to do. Your integrity. I could tell you stories, and I just want to say this. (laughs) The next one. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Satan's real. (laughs) I'm not blind to it. I feel the tug in my own heart daily. But if you give in to the lusts and the passions of the flesh, you will ruin your ministry. God will bring His kingdom on earth, but He's going to sideline you first and start working in your life first. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect to be working in the kingdom of God and seeing God's kingdom come. But what I'm saying is that if you are going to teach other people to obey, you should be willing for those people you're teaching to also ask you, are you obeying? Mentorship goes both ways. I think I'll just leave it at that. Um, And then this one, so this goes with obeying as well. And I put this separately because I find it is actually very important as well. And this is forgiveness. I didn't realize this until when you start... (laughs) People harm you. People, you know, some of you have suffered far worse than I've ever suffered. (laughs) But sometimes people say things are really insensitive. And in order to teach other people... To obey Christ, we have to be able to forgive as well. Christ has forgiven us much. We have to be able to forgive. You know the number one reason why people leave the mission field? Anyone? What's the number one reason people leave the mission field? Ideas. This is when you speak. (laughs) Any ideas? What are the number one reason people leave the mission field? Yes, exactly. Number one reason people leave the mission field is issues with their teammates. It's actually interfaith conflict. Like, not interfaith, but like among the faith community. Conflict within the faith community that causes them to leave. I have sinned against many people. And many people, I feel like, have sinned against me. Sometimes God might agree, sometimes He might not agree that they sinned against me. (laughs) But in order to work with people towards sharing the gospel, we have to be able to forgive So I'm just giving an idea of counting the cost, sacrifice, abiding in Christ, your integrity, and the ability to forgive. Are you willing to do that? Because that's what it's going to take in order to see the gospel go to the nations. Because I would like to see many of you out there on the mission field reaching these 7,078 unreached people groups. I would like to see many of you making sacrificial choices on where you live And who you interact with to reach the neighborhoods here in America. I would like to see people making sacrificial choices. To be supporting those who are going or those who are working here. As the body of Christ, we have different things. uh, Different jobs that we do. But are we willing to be sacrificial and to work together in that? So these are the things we're counting the cost. Counting the cost. Now, the question with the last five minutes is, is he worth it? We come back to that question. Is Jesus Christ worth the cost? Is he worth the, the self-discipline to abide in Jesus Christ, to spend those hours praying instead of going out doing whatever activity you find fun? Now, in the passage, again, going back to the uh, Great uh, Commission, it starts with, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If we have to ask the question, is Jesus worth it? Something that I've come to realize over the years of working among different religious groups, I've spent time with Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, atheists, uh uh come on, animistic. Uh and what I find is there is only one truth. Jesus Christ is Lord. God made the universe. We sinned against him. He only gave one path of salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. This is the only reality. We don't actually get to opt out and choose another reality that we get to follow. So if we have to ask, is he worth it? There's really no question. (laughs) Because this is the only thing of ultimate value to be seeking and to be working for. Because your retirement is in the kingdom of God, not here on this earth your retirement will be spent in eternity with all of the believers that is the true reality now there's one thing though that if i knew jesus christ was the only way and i knew this is the only narrative of history that is true i would struggle still to to sacrifice for it if i knew that god was or if i thought that god was uh, a mean god or if i thought that his end goal was cruel towards me Which sometimes I think is a lie that Satan tries to tell you when you're sacrificing for him and you're not seeing the fruit or the benefits right away. Satan starts to say, God just wants you to be miserable. (laughs) He just wants you to sacrifice. And now, I want to look. The second thing is this idea of who is this God that we serve? Is he worth it? It says in Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquity the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed Jesus Christ has suffered more than you ever will and that's God and when you say God is it worth it for me to suffer this much for these 7,078 unreached people groups is it worth it for these 3 billion people who have no access to your gospel is it worth it Jesus says, it was worth it for me to suffer that for you. Is it worth it for you to suffer it for them? He's not asking us to do anything he didn't do himself. I know people who have lost kids. I don't yet have kids, but I know people who have lost kids on the mission field. And they say, God, you've asked too much. They're like Job. They're like, hold on, I don't understand you've gone too far. And God says, you don't think I didn't lose a son? I know it's not worth it. But my love for you is that much. (laughs) My love for you is that much. Will you love me? When I went into heaven and I started a work of bringing my kingdom on earth, will you carry on that task? And the other thing, and this excites me, this impassions me, it emboldens me and gives me so much passion, is Revelation 7, 9 and 14. After this, I looked... This is John speaking. There before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I don't know about you, and I know it's probably not right, but I'm motivated by results. I'm a results-driven person. And the problem when you're doing missions and you're reaching out to people is sometimes you don't see those results as quickly as you see the sacrifice. But what we see, and this is the promise, and this is, gives me great motivation, is that the sacrifice you make is going to result in people from every, every tribe. All of these 7,078 unreached people groups, all of the 3 billion of them, there are going to be people from all of them. that are going to be standing before the throne, worshiping the Lord. And your sacrifice will have been one piece And bringing that about. So I know that God, He's not asking me to do anything He didn't do Himself. And I know that the work and the sacrifice you make is actually going to produce a fruit in your life. And finally, to conclude, as time is up, uh, the last thing that motivates me when I ask, is He worth it? Is this question of, uh, the last statement He says in the Great Commission, He says, And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And what i found is that even though I know all of these things, if I wasn't seeing the reality of the gospel in my own life, Satan would start coming in and saying, Ah, maybe those are lies. Maybe those aren't true. You're sacrificing for nothing. But Jesus promises that he will walk with us every single day. When you have a family and you've chosen to make different decisions and you're in a smaller house than you feel like you should be and you're having to cut ends to make make things, you know, make ends meet, remembering that Jesus is in those trenches with you. I could give so many testimonies of how Jesus Christ has been with me, saving me from certain deaths in the ocean, ways that he's uh, taking care of my loneliness, ways that he has come beside me and taking care of my hunger. And every person who sacrifices and obediently follows Christ for this job of bringing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, he promises he will be with you. He will be with you. Jesus Christ is worth it. He is worth it. So today as we go in different directions, I just hope that you would reflect on counting the cost. Dig deep into these things. Count the cost. And remember that Jesus Christ is worth it. And I hope that the rest of this week you can just go deeper into this and exploring it for your life of what God has for you in missions uh, now and in the future. So let me close us with prayer. Lord God, I just thank you for your love. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your greatness, your goodness. I thank you that there was no sacrifice too great that would have kept you away uh, from us, Lord. There was no sin so hurtful That you are unwilling to forgive. Lord Jesus, that you remain pure, your integrity intact, so that you could die for us. And Lord, that you constantly abide with us. And so Lord Jesus, I pray that as we move forward, that you would just put on the hearts of each person here that you are calling to the mission field. Put it on their heart and lead them in that direction. Help them to see that you are worth it. You are more worthy than anything that this world could offer. And help them not to compare what that life could look like to their neighbors, but help them to see the great glory and riches of the kingdom that is offered to them. And Lord God, for those who are going to be making sacrifices here in America, to make that possible and to reach out to people here in America, Lord, I pray the same prayer, that they would be so focused on the cross and on your love and your worthiness, Lord, that all else would fade away. And Lord Jesus, we pray that in our lifetime, all peoples would have access to the gospel. And we pray it in your name, Lord Jesus, for your glory. Amen.